Welcome to the PE Huddle, which is sponsored, as you know, and supported by Gopher. The team at Gopher really tries to connect with you in health and physical education. And by now, hopefully, most of you have received the Spring Gopher Catalog. If you haven't received a, a catalog yet, you can request one at gophersport.com slash catalog. And you know, you can find all kinds of stuff at gophersport.com. It'll direct you in a lot of different directions. So I encourage you to get familiar with that. And by the way, gophersport is one word. Gopher and I are working hard updating the dynamic PE ASAP curriculum to include secondary lesson plans. I've been asked about that many times and I've told you we've been working on them. Well, we have been working. Michael and I have have spent a lot of time working on this and uh, we're going to have them ready for the for August and so you'll be able to visit uh, dynamicpeasap.com uh, and see currently we have free K through 8 lesson plans and a yearly curriculum uh, that's in place now and then when you check back in August you'll see the new secondary lesson plans which will come down sort of as unit plans so they're they're going to be, I think, quite helpful to many of you that have asked about it. And on to our program. Um, for the past 40 years, physical education professionals have talked about the importance of graduating students who will be physically active throughout their lifespan. And today we're going to discuss that and talk about it. And hopefully we can give you some perspective and advice for some instructional and curricular changes that will help sure we graduate students who are active and healthy. A little bit about our guests. Um, you'll see Maria Court there. Um, she attended Arizona State University. That's a good thing you waved, Maria. We wouldn't have known which one you were. Um, <laughs> and the University of Phoenix, where she earned her physical education bachelor's and master's degree. Maria has been teaching at Mesa High for 28 years and at Arizona State University for eight years. Uh, Maria was honored with the Shape Southwest District High School Teacher of the Year Award and has done numerous workshops throughout the country. Brett Fuller is a past president of Shape America. Uh, just chew on that one a little bit. That's a big job. And the curriculum specialist for health and physical education for the Milwaukee Public Schools. That's Wisconsin's largest district in He's in charge and supports 175 health and physical education teachers. His career spans over three decades, and in that time, his philosophy is centered upon the ideal of teaching students to be healthy for a lifetime. So we've aligned two guests that are really important to us. So welcome to you, Brett, and to you, Maria. If there was just a word from me here, if there was one outcome I could guarantee all my students and all students, not just mine, it would be that they left school knowing how to take care of themselves physically and be able to live an active life. My premise is that if we graduate the majority of students who don't have the knowledge and skills to stay active and healthy throughout life, the physical education profession and school administration has failed. My concern has never changed. We continue to attract students who already like physical fitness and activity, yet we find ourselves pretty much unable to attract those who really need our classes, but do all they can to avoid them. Is it possible to create a model that makes sense for a greater number of students? 
why can't high school PE be like a health club or a recreational facility or a do it in the privacy of your home virtually program? Why does it have to be a one size fits all? It leads to the question, why do you have to be athletic or highly fit to enjoy physical education? Does that imply, if I take that reasoning, does that imply that as adults, we have to get fit first before we can join a health club? A lot of truth to that, isn't it? Kind of sad. So Maria and Brett, we need your wisdom. And thank you for being guests. Brett, let's, let's wind up and come out of the shoots with you. But why do we have so many students who refuse to participate Pardon me. Choose uh, refuse to participate, or worse yet, refuse to take PE. Well, uh, thank you for the question. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, we actually work with uh, many community partners, and one of them, Marquette University and Medical College of Wisconsin, they actually went in and they did some focus groups with some chronic non-participators in our high school PE classes. And do you know what the prevailing statement was from the kids across there was? It's not fun like it used to be in elementary school. I mean, just think about that for a minute. So those traditional units that we keep on doing at the high school level, the softball, basketball, soccer, football, those variations, and that's all we do. You got kids who, who have no desire to do those team sports. So we need to find those things that might pique an interest. And again, not every everybody's different, as you said in your opening there. And so our ideas are to provide enough examples of different things that students can do, and hopefully they get interested in one or two of those. And that means shorter units of instruction. But again, we got to listen to the kids. It's just that simple. Um, one of you know, five years before I got into my current role, we were teaching, and we were seeing we we actually allowed kids to choose from a group of activities. Uh, and we, you know, and we programmed them for the year within our own PE classes. And we were seeing fewer and fewer students were picking racquetball. So we finally said, we're done with racquetball. And then we surveyed our students. Here are the units that we feel like we can instruct and we've got the equipment for. And uh, two things came up. First off, I'm in an urban population and we've done multiple surveys on this and people, people tell us all the time, black kids don't wanna swim. That was the highest percentage of uh, activity kids wanted, our students wanted to do was swim, more swim classes. And the second one was self-defense. So we added both to our to our curriculum at that point. So I taught the self-defense and we added a water games unit, uh, not a swimming class, a water games unit, uh, which was highly popular in our classes. We got to listen to our kids. Yeah, choice is huge, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's nicely stated. Maria, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I, I picked up on exactly what you picked up on is that student choice. And I think that's so imperative because as adults, we do the activities that we want to do. Nobody's telling us what we have to do when we go to the gym or when we step outside in our neighborhood or at the park. We just find the things that we enjoy, that we like to do. And so that's the ticket right there. And I love the student choice um, of lifetime activities to do with our students. And as far as um, your first comment of why do kids not like it? Why do we think that they don't like PE? And I agree with Brett completely that it's not fun like it used to be. But um, I, I dive in a little more and ask about that. And a lot of comments that I get from the students is I'm not good at it. 
It's not that they don't like it. They didn't, they, they felt that maybe they weren't good at it in elementary school and middle school, now high school, I'm really not going to be able to compare against, you know, athletes. And so we dive more into a kind of, not dive in, but I just reassure them that this place that you're coming to every day, first hour, for example, is um, a safe place. And it's a culture that I think the PE teacher needs to create that forget all that, no judgment. We're just going to have a good time together. We're going to learn some things on how uh, to find activities that you enjoy. Yeah, you know, uh, we become numb to students sometimes. We, we don't realize that they have very strong feelings about things and that at the high school level, there is nothing worse than failing in front of your peers, than embarrassing yourself in front of your peers. And, and it's a tremendously powerful stigma to have that happen to you. Why would you want to go into a PE class and do something, first of all, that you don't feel you can do, and secondly, you don't even like? Um, and thirdly, we are an arts program. We're out there, we're visual. Everybody can see us fail. Everybody can see us fall. So. Um, you know, Maria, I know you get students who refuse to, uh, uh, who don't come to you wanting to be active. How do you break through that shell of student resistance? Yeah, that is the million dollar question. And that is what I see quite often. Um, I teach fitness at Mesa High School and right away kids are apprehensive about taking a fitness class. But once they're there and I pick up on the fact that they don't like it, they don't want to dress out, they don't want to do it. Um, I start out at the beginning of the year, very gentle, if you will, and I want them to get uh, success right out of the gate. So I start out with things that are just team building, icebreaker, get to know. I think if the students can relate to me, they can relate to other students and find that this place they're gonna to go to every first hour is a safe place where they can have fun and laugh and be silly and there's no judgment. So we start out the school year with that. Little bits of fitness here and there to get them some success. It may seem very easy and they get a little you know, swag in their step, like, oh, I, I killed that, I crushed that. <laughs> and, and they did, and I praise that and I recognize that, but it's something that I have to work on every single day. They might not dress out, but if I could get them on the floor, even for five minutes, I give them a high five. Nice job. Let's see if we can do a little bit more tomorrow. Maybe we can dress out. Um, and, and you just, it's a work in progress all year, all semester, all year. It's not a quick fix. There's not a magic pill I can give them or a magic statement I can give them. It's a culture. It's an environment. Brett, so. you want to add on anything there that grabbed you that you... No, I think it's first off, it's also then getting to know our kids. You just you gotta you gotta build those relationships and get their trust. You know, that that is something we keep on talking about with our kids, uh, is that you know, you get to know them, find out what they like, you know, and get to know their music. Let them put their music on sometimes when you're playing there, as long as it's the clean stuff, we know that. But it's 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 we gotta get to know our kids better and stop being that authoritarian teacher who says, you, you gotta do it because I say you do it. You know, that 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 just doesn't work anymore, especially for high school. Yeah, I, connecting with kids, I mean, I, you both are saying it so well, connecting with kids is huge. 
the question is, how do you connect them? You know, you you've heard the the two by ten um, approach, where you you know you talk to a kid ten times for two minutes over a period of two three weeks. Um, and, and Maria, I think you said you got to keep coming back. It's a year long thing. Uh, you have to connect over and over and over. And I hear teachers say, "Well, I tried to connect with them." Well, did you try to connect with them on your terms or on their terms? And those are two really, really different things. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's important um, that we connect. Um, well, we'll come back to you know, Brett. You 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 said you said something that I really liked, and I I want to move on because I you guys have lots to say. And you talked about culturally relevant activities, and how they can increase interest and engagement. And I think that's an important thing to talk about. Tell tell us a little bit more. You've talked a little bit about it already, but tell us a little more about it. Well, and that that's really important too. Is as we become more of a world, you know. The world is more involved with our kids. Our kids are using the technology. They're more aware of what's going on, not just in their communities now, in the in their states, in the nation, in the world. And it was really interesting. As in one of our high schools that has a lot of uh, newcomers, we, they're called newcomers, newcomers to the country. Um, 16 different languages are spoken in this high school. And this is about five years ago. I walked in and I saw a game I'd never seen before. And it's Sipak Takra. And if you don't know what Sipak Takra is, you need to check it out. It is a great game from Southeast Asia. And basically they use a badminton net and a wicker ball that's about this size and they're using their feet, playing it back and forth over the net. And these kids were going at it. I thought, this is awesome. And again, this was not the teachers who had brought this there. The kids said, hey, this was, I was catching them while they're coming out of the, of the locker room. They're doing a badminton unit. And these kids, hey, can we play around? Well, well kids are coming out of the locker room. And so we're trying to get that more involved, but that's a perfect example. You've got kids who are interested. Those kids could become your teachers and get other people excited. And so if we can find those things that interest our students, I'm not saying we give up our current curriculum. It's important, I still think, to teach some of the basics of the other games because if they get into a recreational league at their work or, or in their churches or wherever, they, then they can not make embarrass themselves, that they have some basic skills but let's expand on the horizon, teach some cultural games, uh, use music that is culturally relevant to our students. Uh, look at the dances. The dances are probably the easiest ones to find, but then it's find some of these more cultural games like Sipak Takra. I think that has a lot of potential for us actually connecting with our kids better. Maria, I know you come from a minority uh, school population as well. Um, Mm -hmm. thoughts you have on that yeah i i couldn't agree more with finding one finding out what the students like and yes the majority of my students are hispanic students and you know i, I i'm not going to stereotype and say okay they all like soccer i just ask them if i i have the gym or we're outside and i'll say over here what do you guys want to play and and majority of them do want to play soccer in fact i try to play other uh sports and other activities and games and everything always turns into i was laughing uh, what brett was saying it goes to their feet if it's volleyball they end up kicking it with their feet if it's basketball they kick it with their feet it doesn't matter so we've actually created a couple games like you were talking about brett where it's uh it's the pickleball net but they use a volleyball and they can use their hands or their feet and we just embraced it this is what they like this is what they're good at um so 
Yeah, I really, really, really um, like finding out about the culture of our students. I've learned a lot over the last 30 years. I've been at Mesa High the whole time and I'm not Hispanic. I don't speak Spanish, but boy, have I learned a lot about their culture. And the one thing that I forgot which one of you said um, is they, as soon as they trust you and know that you care about them, they will do anything for you but you have to get to that point and they do not respond, not them, Hispanics, I'm talking students in general, do not like the dictatorship, the barking orders and using fitness as a punishment. They wanna know that you're here for them, you're guiding them. If you wanna be healthy and active as an adult, um, let's figure this out together and find some things that you like to do. You know, well said to both of you. And, and you know, just a thought for you to think about. Let's let's be let's be honest about it. Kids and adults, in most cases, can't separate the instructor from the content. So if they don't like you, they probably don't like PE, and vice versa. If they don't like what you're teaching and they feel embarrassed and everything, they don't like you. It's symbiotic. You can't have it one way or the other. And you are all talking about two things, connecting and content they like. And that is huge. And if you think your students are gonna be able to separate those two, they're not. You know, I, I've heard it said many times throughout my career, I don't care whether you like me or not, this is good for you and you gotta learn it. Well, it does matter whether they like you or not. It does matter. And you talk about connecting, connecting sometimes takes a semester, takes a quarter, it takes time to connect and you can't talk to them just one time and you have to gradually. So, you know, you want a quick fix. And so many of the questions I get about discipline and management are quick fixes. Well, what do I do with the kid that doesn't want to do this? Well, you just kick him in the butt and tell him to go do it. That's, there's a quick fix. And, you know, we're all smart enough to know that's not going to work. So, um, you know, we're talking about choice and teachers are going to say, well, yeah, nice, nice idea. How are you going to, how are you going to do choice in a high school program? We've got basketball, and we've got football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and we've got track and field and softball in the spring, and that's that. There's no room to, you know, we can't throw out all that stuff. The kids will complain. You know who complains when you throw out soccer or basketball? The kids who are skilled at it, and the kids who aren't good at it hate it. So we've got to find things, and you're going to have to separate things. So Having said that, if we're going to make PE more inclusive, how are we going to change and prepare our teachers to offer maybe some inclusive activities or a wider range of activities or lifetime activities? How are we going to get that done when we have teachers that have been doing the same thing for 15, 20 years? So Bob, Brett, you're a supervisor. You're the, you're the man. So let me react to something you said that struck with me as you said it. Think about K through 12 physical education. What does everybody say about the elementary PE teacher? The kids love the elementary PE teacher. 
but do you hear that same thing from our high school about our high school? Exactly what you're talking about there. And I think it comes down to the kids start changing and we are not changing with the kids. You know, the high school people, uh, again, I'm not saying we don't teach some of these still traditional sports and, and things like that, but we need to shorten our units. Okay, that's the first thing and provide that, that variety. The other thing that when preparing teachers, I think it's really important here, is I think we need to do, personally, I think a little bit better job of preparing teachers to be these lifelong learners of physical activity. Because, you know, CPOC Talker, brand new thing for me, I'd never seen it before. Now, if I was teaching in the classroom, I was going to have to go and figure out how I'm going to teach this game. Okay, so I can be, have enough skill. Again, we're, we're physically literate people, so that's something we should be able to do. But I'm not certain how well we're preparing te uh, teacher candidates to realize that they've got to do that. And maybe, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but it, it, oh, I, you're right. That's a fair question. I trained teachers my entire career. It's it's a fair question and yeah, a fair so, point. I think you're right on. Yeah, you know, and so that's the thing about it. And then it it comes down to, again, coming to the realization that we have to, we have to find those ways of again. It's not complete student choice. One of my the favorite units that kids had when I was teaching. They loved archery absolutely loved it. None of them had hardly ever of them had shot a bow before, you know, and, but it was one of the ones that they talked about the most after my classes were over. And again, it was one of those things is if they trust you and you give them the chance to be successful, as Maria said, they're going to, you know, we started real close and they started getting success and we, we backed up slowly as they were ready to do it. And that gave some differentiation. Some kids were we're closer to shooting than others. It, it, you know, you find ways to make it work for the kids so they're successful and you can have these successes. The other thing then too, I think also, we really need to look at our expectations of students, okay? And I'm talking about grading. My teachers at the high school ask all the time, what, you know, what is proficient? And my response is proficient is what they should be, do, be able to do at a recreational, basic recreational level. We're not training athletes. We're not training them to be the JV or varsity athletes. We're talking if they can bump, set, and do a, a rudimentary spike in a volleyball game, guess what? They're going to be fine. They can be able to go and play with the family in the backyard when they have a family reunion. You know, so th those are some things that come to my mind when we're talking about how do we prepare teachers. We've got to look at expectations for grading and actually the expectations for teachers to be lifelong learners of physical activity. Maria? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Brett said. I think it it always, I, I've spoke on this several times, it starts with the teacher. The students come to you the same every year. Bob, you've said it best, a five-year-old is always gonna act like a five-year-old. Well, newsflash, so was a freshman, so was a sophomore and so on. Um, the teacher, you know, I work with 10 PE teachers at my school. And you know, I, I watch and walk around and see the different models that teachers do. And I find that the teachers who are most successful are the ones who are on the floor having fun with their students, end of story. It's not a job, they're not barking, they're actually enjoying what they do. They believe in what they do. And then the students will, anything you put on the floor, if it's a beanbag, a ring, a scooter, whatever, or kettlebell or something heavy, they're going to appreciate you that you're out there, you're doing it. This is a work in progress for not just young people. I, I tell them, I have to work out every day. And here's why. 
not because I want to look good. Um, it's, it's because my job and I was born loving fitness. No, fitness is hard. Fitness isn't fun sometimes, but here's what I do enjoy about it. I have more energy. And then, and then we started discussion and I said, what do you guys feel? Oh, I sleep better. Oh, I, I'm more awake when, after I'm done with your class to do better academically in my third hour. So we get that out of them. So I think one of the key things too, as the teacher is to facilitate those discussions to say, why are you starting to like this now? You hated it a month ago. What are some of the benefits you're noticing? I, I just feel better. And, um, and get, you got to get those discussions going of the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? I know I'm kind of all over the place with that answer, but it's so multifaceted. But again, if you like what you're doing and you value what you're doing, it's going to show. Students are very perceptive. They got your number right away. If they think you have buy-in and you like it, you believe in it, they're going to follow suit. Can I jump on something there, too, that you're talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely. Please do. You're Here's one of the things that was very interesting. That's been my message for the 15 years I've been in my current role overseeing health and PE in our district it is exactly what Maria was talking about. We've got to have these conversations, uh, students understanding the, what's happening with their bodies, okay? What is really amazing to me though, is watching this year, my teachers, because what happened during COVID? They were doing more online lessons. And the resources we gave, we kept on trying to tie it because we're so worried about kids' stress levels. Make certain you're talking about the benefits of physical activity. I don't think it happened as much before, but it sure happened that year that we were all virtual for COVID and it's still happening right now. So I, I look at the silver lining for what we've gone through the last couple of years. I think that there's been a renewed interest in the benefits of teaching the benefits of physical activity to our kids instead of just the sports. No, oh, I agree. And I'd also say it's time to have some virtual PE. Um, just as a normal course for those kids that don't like doing it in front of everybody else, that want to work out in their own weight room or their own bedroom and, and at home. Um, why is it, you know, that we can't work that out? If we could work it out during COVID, we can work it out now. And, and I just think it's a shame that we aren't using different kinds of models um, uh, to, to facilitate more kids um, th that would feel better. A, a couple of things, you know, one of the questions I've got, uh, as I told you, I get questions at the, uh, on, on the day of the huddle that are sent to me from Gopher, when people register, they can ask questions. And one of the questions was, well, kids are lazier now than they've ever been. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the question because the comment told you all you needed to know about this teacher and how she views her students. Now, if you look out at your classes and everything you see through your eyes and your filter says, today's kids aren't what they used to be. By God, when I was a kid, I walked uphill both directions going to school and the wind was blowing and I was the toughest kid around and I did this, this, and this, and, and, and all the baloney you can think about it, kids are kids and you connect with them and they will connect with you. You guys were talking about what you offer and Brett, you know, you've said, well, you don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater basically is what you were saying. I mean, we can have some soccer we can have some basketball we could have some of these things and you made a good point that 
no, they may want to use them in recreation. By the way, after the age of 30, only about three to five percent of, of American adults play team sports. Um, so that's not the most useful tools you could give them to be active for the rest of their life. But having said that, um, if you're going to work with kids, they will tolerate a lot of things they don't like if they know there are some things in that curriculum that they're going to like. Okay, how many times have I said in my teaching career, hang in there, I know you don't like this unit, I get it, you don't have to like every unit, son, but we're going to come to one that I know you're going to like because in my way of teaching, I have individual units, dual sport units, and team sport units. And I know that we're going to find something in there you like. And my point is, you got to offer something in your PE class that sooner or later, every kid's going to say, wow, I really like this. I didn't know I could do this. It's the game you're talking about, Brett, uh, or, or whatever. And by the way, I don't know Jack Spratt about that game. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you say it's good, then I better learn it. Um, but my point is that you've got to have something to offer everybody and you just, you have to change the attitudes of teachers, which brings me to a point, um, you know, I, I was in teacher preparation for uh, nearly 50 years and, and still work with teachers. And one of the things about them is that Sometimes maybe we don't want to waste all our time on the least willing to change person. In other words, the one that says, no, I ain't teaching that stuff. That's not, you can do that, but, but I've always taught basketball. And I don't know how to teach that. And we get all worked up and that destroys all our momentum of the whole department. And they say, oh yeah, well, she's not teaching. She's resistant. So we're not going to do that. You know, my thing is, take the people who will change, even if it's just you and change. That's the only way we're going to get change. Um, you know, you you can take a 20-year teacher, and if they don't want to change, there isn't much you can do about it. And I get a lot of questions saying, hey, how do I change my teammate who doesn't want to do this and doesn't want to do that? Can't. You can't. You can't hardly change your spouse. <laughs> or your friend, they're going to be who they are. And so, you know, change yourself and do some things. And oftentimes that springs some new change in other people. So it starts with you. Uh, most of the time I would tell you, mind your own friggin' business and just do a great job. Instead of trying to change the world outside of you, you got plenty to change in yourself probably. Um, I, I, I want to talk one more time about virtually with you guys. I mean, COVID's forced us to do a lot of virtual instruction. And, and I was quite impressed with a lot of creativity and ingenuity that teachers showed. I mean, they rose to the occasion, many of them, and did a great job. What is it that is holding us back, Brett, that we couldn't offer some of these classes to kids in schools that don't want to do it in front of others, that want to take it virtually. Why can't we do that? Stop. <laughs> Go. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, 
uh, it was about 10 years ago, I got this phone call from a school counselor who said, hey, we got a transfer student came in and uh, this transfer student um, has on their transcript this virtual PE class from a from a from the Florida whatever school of uh, virtual PE. It's a, it's actually an accredited site. And I'm and I'm like, do we accept that credit? I wanted to say hell no. <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to say. But then I did some research and I knew better than to do that and found out and I looked at their their curriculum and there's a lot of really good things about it. Soon after that, we developed our own online course. So we've had virtual PE within Milwaukee Public Schools, but just like um, San Diego, when I, because uh, I used some of the stuff that they did with theirs, when they started doing it, it was intended for those students who are behind on credits. That's the mistake. If they're not doing well in a face-to-face -face class, okay, and they're behind on credits, not just in PE, but in other areas as well, it probably, that's not the root cause of why they're failing your classes, okay? There's probably something else going on. This won't be our solution. But what San Diego found out is that those highly motivated students who were in athletics, uh, you know, some professional athletes in, in high school and actors, they were getting A's in their online PE class because they were motivated. Our students are the ones who use it very, not very many, um, but are the ones who are in uh, our two really high level uh, high schools in our district that um, they don't have room in their schedule because in Wisconsin, you still need three semesters of PE. By that junior year, um, if they, they're missing out on part of an academic, another academic class, another academic, because we're academics as well, um, another academic class, uh, and ours is only half semester, became a real problem for scheduling. So they get to do virtual PE. So it is an option in our district. Again, it's not very highly sought after, uh, but it is an option. And I think that um, what I'm actually seeing a, a better option, I think right now, is our teachers right now who are face-to-face -face still using, still using uh, virtual lessons right now. So have those kids do those skills at home on a camera. And then the teacher sees it, so they're not being embarrassed. So then you kind of get a little bit of best of both worlds. You're still then doing some stuff in the class, but if you're asking the skill tester to do something else, they can do that on a camera at home and the teacher never has to show that in front of anybody else. So a couple of different options there. Sort of a hybrid yes. approach. Yeah, okay. Maria, I wanted to ask you, Brett, before I get to Maria, how, how much PE are the kids in your high schools required to take? One semester, sorry, three semesters of physical education over three separate years is the state statute. So we're still pretty good. Um, and by and it has to be done by a licensed PE teacher, so we're we're still holding the line on that pretty well. But the it's changed though, honestly, it has changed from when I was teaching 15 years ago. Uh, every kid always dressed. Now uh, half our high schools they don't have a dressing requirement anymore, and I'm actually supportive of that because um, it didn't take me long to find a whole bunch of pictures of people who work out in jeans at a fitness club. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. like it, it's I don't agree with it. Uh, but you know it's personal choice there, and why hold kids back because of dressing? Thank you. I agree. <laughs> Sometimes the little things become big things because we make them that. Maria, how much PE in your high school? Uh, two semesters, one year of physical education from ninth grade to twelfth grade, so a little less than Wisconsin, unfortunately. Yeah. So there are a lot of kids that don't get PE. Then I mean. 
if we're not careful. I mean, it's so, I, I, you know, how do you feel about virtual or using it for some rig? Can you see any way to make it work in your high school? Yeah, I mean, I never did consider it until COVID hit, uh, silver linings with that horrible pandemic. But um, the way I saw it um, was there's introverts and extroverts. There's some students that did very poorly with the virtual PE setting. They want to be up front. They want to have the energy and the interaction and all that. But then I did learn. I it was a great learning experience for me as a teacher that there are a handful of students who did much better at home like you were saying in the privacy of their room or in their backyard and they weren't on display and they could fail or struggle or grunt and nobody had to see them and they did very very well so um i took that and i started using it as another tool or another activity for those students and so they have some choices. In the past, if they missed school and they didn't get their points for participation points for that day, they used to write a one-page summary. And I never was in love with that. I felt like that didn't really add up. They're missing activity, but I'm having you write. You know, the it just didn't match. So what I took from that uh, ex virtual experience is fine, all you need to do is go home, do any workout of your choice. I was able to upload um, tons, over 50 or 60 different types of activities on Canvas, which is our platform. They can use that, they can use YouTube, they can use Instagram, TikTok, whatever they find, do a workout and they just um, can show evidence of that and that's their, they can make that up. In addition, if we're doing an activity that they don't particularly feel comfortable doing, we have cheer mats um, in our gym. We line them up almost as a wall and they, the students can go over there with their laptop, open it up and do their own workout that I've embedded on Canvas. So they're not at home, they're at school, but they're not doing what we're doing over here. They wanna be private and get their workout done over there on that side of the gym. And so I've really started doing some things like that because there are benefits for sure. And sometimes one little thing like that says to the kid, you care, okay? When you allow them to do something like that, okay? You made one little exception, you care, something you understand. So those sometimes become, you know, big things. I, I wanna ask another question. You guys have lots to say and I wanna move on here, but um, one question, now I'm we've got a few questions that have come from the group. What are some strategies for offering lifetime activities if we don't have equipment and resources? That's, you know, that's this person saying, well, you know, what do we do? We don't have any equipment and resources. That's the old story. Well, if I had a million dollars, I'd have the greatest program in the world. I've seen people with all the equipment in the world and it's a crappy program. So the, the two aren't related. Uh, who wants to tee off on that one? Um, I'll jump in real quick because one of the things I love to present on is um, all the different kinds of lessons activities you can do with just cones, just uh, jump ropes, just hula hoop. You don't have to have fitness equipment. You don't have to have thousands of dollars of kettlebells and medicine balls and things to create a circuit or play a game. Um, you just have to, number one, get the buy-in from the students that we're going to use these cones. Here's how we're going to use them. And we're going to have a heck of a day um, getting physically active. The other thing I, I love to use is pedometers. And I, I know I'm going against what I just said about having equipment, but if you can show on a pedometer, 
that we use every day that they're getting just as much activity time and all we used was a cone or all we used was um, this one bean bag, um, there's your buy-in. You don't have to have a lot to get kids to move. Put on some music, have some fun, get them moving. They're gonna have their activity time in. Brad. I would add in, it's like, you know, we, uh, about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, we, we, we changed up our high school curriculum and added a course called Fit for Life at the sophomore level. And this course uh, was no, no sports. It's all about those activities that we as adults do to stay physically active and well. And we didn't have the equipment either. Uh, and guess what? Neither do my, most of my kids at home. And so we talked about what ways can you do some of these resistant activities at home? Kids were great about it. They said, oh, I'm going to keep a couple gallons of milk jugs and we'll put water in them so they could do some some things with that at home. And it was just a lot of little, you know, homemade stuff just to tell the kids there are things you can do without having a lot of expensive equipment. Uh, that That's number one. And the second thing, just be creative. I love teaching um, Frisbee golf, okay, disc golf. Uh, but I didn't have any targets when I was teaching. So I had a cone and a hula hoop. And we set up four cones, uh, four, four little... Uh, uh, holes out on our out on our uh, not our our parking lot basically when I was teaching. So there's lots of ways we just have to be creative about doing this. And what the kids know that it, you don't have to have a lot of expensive equipment to to be physically active. It's nice to have that equipment. Trust me, it's nice, but it's not it's not necessary. It's nice, but in many ways it's unreal. The kind of kids we're teaching now may never have the money to have all that equipment and everything else. And if you can teach them some of the ways you both mentioned now i mean that's something they can have you know that's lifetime you can you can get a few things and learn how to do that and to be honest with you my, the way i stay fit doesn't take a whole lot of equipment no and and i love that you said that because um i use a lot of the elements arizona is beautiful weather most of the year we go outside a lot and we'll use the elements of the campus there's some railings, there's some stairs, there's some picnic tables. What can we do on this picnic table? What can we do with the stairs? What can we do with the railing? Um, let's take a walk. Every Monday, we start our week with a, a fitness walk. And we and I, they're in teams of like three students and they get to lead. So every Monday, a different group of three, they lead us wherever they want us to go around the campus. And it's, it's just... Um, I think we make things hard because you want it to be hard. It comes to the teacher every time. If you think out of the box, you can come up with a million things. And furthermore, if you have the students be creative, they're way more creative than we'll ever be. I have them make up stuff and wow, I learned some cool things from them. So yeah, yeah. it's just breaking that routine, getting out of that rut. Yeah. Brett, did you have any more you wanted to? Uh, well, you talk about students again, technology. Uh, so many of our teachers prior to the last two years were uh, hesitant about using technology. Kids are coming up now. Hey, look at this great fitness app and showing our teachers what, what I found. You know, um, all those little activities where they're walking around their community doing things on their on their apps. I mean, let's let's take advantage of what the kids are are using as well and, and what things that they already have. Instead of saying, you got to do what I want you to do. And if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. Yep. Um, Maria, I got a question here that I know you're into. You're, a, you're an organized teacher. The, the, the teacher says, how much organization protocol is appropriate with high school students? 
um, vary. <laughs> a high school student is no different than a middle school student, no different than an elementary student. Um, I think you, I, I love to structure my class. This is what we do. This is how we enter the gym. This is what time I take roll. Grab your pedometer, start walking around. Um, I take roll call the same way every day. We come into the center of the circle. We say, this is what we're going to be doing. Um, I give them directions, they go do it. We meet back in, we say one, two, three, Mesa. Uh, great job, everybody. Put Upload your pedometer, put it away and out the door. I think structure is key to having low discipline problems, more time on task. If I could add in, I would say that uh, we've been talking a lot about giving student choice right now. Student choice requires more structure, not less. You actually have to spend more time because you have to, you still have to put within parameters that you're able to handle within that student choice. And so uh, you, you just have to be more prepared and uh, to look at things and figure out what you can do, what's, what's available, how can you do some of the things that students are asking to do if you're giving them some choice. So really good point, Brett. It, it, it's, uh, you, you know, if you want to have a lot of activity time in a lesson, all you do is roll out a ball and tell them to go play and there's no structure in that whatsoever. Nothing's being taught, kids aren't learning anything, and kids don't learn respect for each other in that group setting where they get to work with each other. There's no better place to teach values and mores than a physical education class because we're constantly competing and pushing around. Um, you, you know, so it goes on all the time, and I, I think both of you hit some really uh, key points on that. And I mean, it's a funny thing in our business. Most of our physical educators at the high school coach, and they organize every friggin' minute out on the practice field uh, with their athletes. And then they come into PE and they roll out the ball and organize nothing oftentimes. And it just doesn't make sense. They know if they want their athletes to learn, they've got to use their time to its maximum value. Why shouldn't it be the same as a physical ed for a physical education instructor who is really trying to teach people? Um, now I've had a, I've ha I had a number of questions about kids with low self-esteem who don't want to participate. Um, I'm not going to talk much about that today. Um, I'll, I'll let you you know if these two want to just barely hit that they can. But we had a whole program about it. Uh, a month ago on nothing but on how to motivate unmotivated students. And so we spent the whole time. So I'll give you each of you uh, 30 seconds on it to give it your best shot. I'll go, I'll go less than that, uh, Bob. It's, it's gonna be simply what we're talking about. The, to, uh, to help those kids, support those kids is the better way of saying it. You just need to get to know them um, and build that trust, and that will actually eventually win them over, but it's going to take time, as we said earlier. Um, one of the, th great point, uh, Brett, uh, one of the things I constantly am very aware of and I'm watching for like a hawk is um, students being unkind to other students, and that's the responsibility of the teacher. So you really want to blow someone's self-esteem, you have another kid make fun of another kid in front of their peers. So I'm always watching for clicks, I'm watching for unkind things, I talk about how to be nice to each other, I end my class every single day with be nice. And that's a, a, a climate that we control, but you got to watch and it takes a lot of time and effort to make sure that those things aren't occurring. The two of you so nicely talk about connecting with students. I don't want to give any teachers out there any illusions. 
The reasons a lot of teachers don't connect is because it's darn hard work. And you're gonna get your feelings hurt. You're gonna reach out to a kid. And he's gonna, you know, he's gonna insult you, put you down, say, I hate this stuff, leave me alone, whatever. It, it's hard to reach out. It's hard to break through. And you have to break through day after day. So what we do is we end up, if we don't have the courage to take that on and the work ethic to take it on, is we deal with the students who are easy to get along with and we don't hardly even see the others who are out there not connecting with us. This is a very tough business. To be a great teacher takes so much effort and so much heart and so much willingness to lay your heart out there and get it stomped on from time to time because these kids know how to hit your sensitive points and to hurt you and you will get hurt. And then you say, well, screw that kid, I'm done with him, you know, but th that might've been the point of breakthrough if you could have got past that time. So, you know, the kids you really wanna help, the at-risk kids are the ones who've never had anybody connect with them, parents even. So, even though I think the two of you, not even though, the two of you have said beautifully about connecting and the importance of it, um, I don't want to make anybody believe that it's easy. It's mm -hmm. not easy. It's hard. I know these two you're looking at are hard workers and they're determined human beings who will go after it. So, um, I got a, another question here. We'll, we'll, we'll give you another 30 second job on this one. Do rewards for participation work? I'm, from my experience, they work in the short term. They don't work in the long term if you're looking for behavior change. Uh, I think that would be the, the, the quick and easy answer. Um, uh, yeah, it's just that simple. I, I just think that the, the rewards are, you know, the and, it, and we're talking rewards and talking like, oh, I hear, I still see it all the time. Oh, hey, you do this, uh, I've got candy for you. PE teachers, really? I still see it. And it's like, or we'll give you a free day on Friday if, you know, those, those are fine uh, in the short term, but they don't really make the behavior change that we need to see in our kids. And that means we're not building the trust with our kids. I agree. I think um, what we label what an award is, at the very beginning of the semester when I'm introducing fitness and, and being active, let's talk about what a reward is. And we talk about benefits of fitness. I like to say the rewards of fitness. So those are the re awards. You get uh, better sleep, you get a better self-esteem, you get a better complexion, uh, you feel better, you have more energy. Those are the rewards. And I, that's how I introduce it at the beginning of the year and reinforce it throughout the semester. And not to skip over it, because you said early in the program, Maria, that uh, you stay fit, uh, but you don't care that it makes you look better. The hell you don't. <laughs> Everybody does. We're all vain. Don't you sit there and tell me that, okay? Because I'm not buying it. And that's a big part of the reason why high school kids are doing it, those that yeah. are getting fit. You don't think they're doing it to look better? Well, of course they are. That's a they huge are. motivator. But um, I do tell them, as you get older, like me, it's more about this heart. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. about other things. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, let's see if I've got uh, any other questions here that I thought uh, we, we might talk about. 
can I summarize and then you guys jump on it and, and summarize it in your own way. I'm going to summarize by what I heard and heard it very clearly. There was no stuttering among these guests. And the, the best motivator to get kids involved is to get them doing something they enjoy doing. And you have to find something they enjoy and something that they feel some perceived competence in being able to do. You have to believe you can do it. And you have to connect with your students. And it takes a long time. It may never happen with some students. I'm not going to tell you that you can connect with every student. But I'm going to tell you you're never going to stop trying, hopefully. Um, and, and then you need a well-organized program, and your program has to have something for everybody in it. If it doesn't, it's you're probably shortchanging. You're never going to connect. Now, you guys go ahead and put the final touches on that. I would just add in the fact is that while we are trying to do the things you said there, we can still teach new things to our students that they're completely unaware of. I would I would add that to it. That's good. That's good. Yeah, Maria. What? Um, I'll give yeah. you the last word. Okay. You know I'd get it anyway. <laughs> so, um, I I think just what we've been saying all along, Bob. You said it beautifully at the beginning. It's just a wide variety of activities, but I kind of call it their tools. I'm trying to fill up their toolbox with as many things. Um, that they can get their hands on and have a little bit of experience because the number I asked them why don't you go to the gym or you're apprehensive going to the gym or the rec center or just going to the park and working out they don't know what to do I said that at the beginning of this huddle so I want to provide them with lots of different things like yoga pilates and walking and circuits and medicine ball and kettlebells and so when they see it they go, oh, I know what that is, and I know what to do with that, and their confidence is up, and then they're more likely to get out of the house and go do some of those activities, because if you ask any adult why they don't go exercise and work out, they don't know what to do, and they're not good at it. Um, so that's what I'm trying to provide, is to show them lots of things. You may hate lifting, but then you love yoga. You don't like yoga, but you like lifting. Well, let's try it all, see what sticks, and go out and do it, and hopefully, you know, you'll find some new things that you enjoy as well. Well, I hope all of you out there enjoyed the hour as much as I did. Uh, two great guests, um, fun to talk to you both, and, and you have such a grasp of the best way of doing it. And for those of you that say we never feature high school, this couldn't have been more high schooler-ish than any program we've done. And I thought it was really with two outstanding guests and I appreciate you both so much. Um, thank you, Brett, for taking the time. Thank you, Maria, for taking the time. Um, and let's do it again one of these days. Absolutely, thank you very much. Thank okay. you. See y'all. Bye everybody. Bye-bye everybody. <laughs>